Welcome to Reveal Truth, the audio outreach ministry of Moores Creek Baptist Church. I am Pastor Roger Barnes, and I invite you now to join me as we open the Bible, God's Revealed Truth. Ephesians chapter 3. If you found Ephesians chapter 3, if you'd stand with me, please, in the honor of the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 3. And as we're standing together this morning, let's... Let's just start in that 8th verse this morning and we'll read down through the 13th verse. In the 8th verse of Ephesians chapter 3, it reads like this. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulations for you which is your glory. Most gracious Heavenly Father this morning we have read your word We have sung together, we have fellowshiped together, we have had our times that we've reflected through music and we've had our times that we have laughed and and had fun together. And now I ask, Father, that you take all of that joy that you've placed in us and you focus our attention upon you that that joy may come complete by your word. Make very little of me and very much of you this morning that you may be seen in all of your glory. This we pray in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you and you may be seated. You realize over the last few weeks we've been in the book of Ephesians and and we started off talking at the very beginning there where he says, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, we talked about Paul and his prisoner because of this mystery. We moved from that prisoner of the mystery down to where we talked about him being the preacher of that mystery and delivering that mystery to us. He was given that. It was revealed to Paul what that mystery would be, and he revealed that to us. And we moved from that to last week up where we talked about the plan of that mystery, where Paul reminded us that that mystery was revealed through the ages, and he did that back through the third, through the fifth verses, and and forward down through the seventh verse of chapter 3. And he talked about those things of the mystery, and because of this mystery, he said that we are one thing in specific, together, all of us. And he says, because of the mystery, we're part of this family of God. And he was reflecting back on that first and second chapter where he had given us that theology about being a a body, being a church, being part of that mystery that was now revealed to the Gentiles instead of just to the Jews. And you remember, I told you when we started this third chapter, this is a prayer. This is a prayer Paul's going to deliver for the, uh, to the church or for the church to God. And, and he started off for this reason, I, Paul, and then he breaks into the second through the 13th verse, giving a rendition of what he had already taught in the first and second chapters. Then he moves over into verse 14 and starts the prayer all over again. His heart was so overwhelmed when he said, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, that he had to recount even to himself and the church what it really meant to be a prisoner of this mystery, a prisoner of Christ. Today we're going to look at the purpose of this mystery, the purpose of the mystery. He starts off there in verse 8. He says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints. I find that interesting. Paul starts off and he says, I, Paul, I'm the prisoner of Christ. Then he comes to verse 8 and he says, I, Paul, the least of all the saints. If you know anything about Paul, and you should by now if you've been with me for the last nine or ten months, 
Paul was a very interesting character. You remember he used to persecute the church until he bumps into Jesus on this, this road to Damascus and Jesus appears before him and blinds him. He, he saves him there on the spot. He, he has this personal relationship with Jesus and he asks Paul, says, why do you persecute me? And Paul's like, I'm not persecuting you, I'm persecuting them. And he's like, no, you're persecuting me. And he blinds Paul. And, and Paul winds up being led down to uh, this house and this gentleman comes by the house there and, and very reluctantly, by the way, if you read that over in Acts, it was very reluctant to go because he knew Paul was a murderer. And he shows up anyway because the Holy Spirit led him to do that. And he walks up to Paul and he tells him all about himself, really. And he lays hands on Paul. And when he laid hands on him and prayed for him, as God had instructed, the scales fell from his eyes. And he saw, and Paul got up from that place with a different name. For you see, the name, when he bumped into Jesus, was Saul, if you remember. He gets up off of his knees after the scales have fallen from his eyes, and his name is now Paul. He's a changed person. He's different. He's no longer persecuting the church the true church, he's now part of this church. His heart goes out to those that he had been persecuting. And he realizes that this Jesus is bigger than the religion of the Jews. He realizes this Jesus is not about religion. He's about relationship. And Paul had moved from this pharisaical religion to this personal relationship. But Paul never forgets who he is. Never. We as Christians sometimes forget who we were. Sometimes we look at others, say, I sure am glad I'm not like them. Not forgetting it wasn't many moons ago you were exactly like them. Wasn't many moons ago that, that you were the one on the outside looking in. Paul never forgets who he is. See, he says there in that verse 8, who am the less than the least of all the saints. Paul was never proud of who he was. He was proud of his Jesus. Paul knew that except for the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ flowing from a cross, he was less than acceptable. He knew that he was so unworthy to be used by God. But God chose him. Of all the people, he chose him. It makes sense why he wrote to us in the first chapter that God, through his grace and his mercy and his love, reached down from eternity and picked you. Hand-selected you to be in the family. It wasn't happen chance that you bumped into Jesus one day. Jesus was standing in your crossroads for a purpose. To save you. To save you. And Paul realized it's just the grace and the mercy of a heavenly father that has made me a different person. And he starts and he says there that I am the least of the saints. He didn't, didn't even say I'm in the middle of the saints. I'm in the middle class. He didn't even say I'm in the lower class of the saints. He said you take the lowest of the lowest and I am below them. See, when I went to school, I was the part of that class in the upper class, you know, when they have the graduating class and they talk about the valedictorian, the salutedictorian, and all that stuff, they should have thanked me. They really should have come up to me afterwards and thanked me for being able to be that. Because I was the part of the class that made the top part of the class possible. <laughs> if it wasn't for me down there in the bottom part of the class, there would have been no upper part of the class. And, and I look back and I think, you know, that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I know I've been given this mystery never before revealed. 
Yet it's not because of who I am. It's because of who my God is. You know what we need as Christians today? We need to be humble before our God. There are times, most times, we as Christians are afraid to show our emotions about who God is. Afraid that the person standing next to us in the pew in front of us or the pastor is going to think something about us being moved by our thought about God. You know, your pastor does think something about you not being moved about your passion for God. I think you really don't know my God very well. Because I, like Paul, when I think about my God and I put myself into that picture of who God is and who I am, I'm extremely humbled. Extremely humbled. I live with me. I wouldn't choose me. I'd have never picked me out of the bunch. But God did. You know, God picked you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God hand-selected you no matter your past. He said, you're one of mine. Maybe this morning you're here and you don't know that you've been selected. Today could be the day that the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and makes you aware of the fact that you're a sinner. And today you're going to hear about a Savior that solves that sin problem. And that Savior's name is Jesus. Jesus the Christ. Jesus, the one who gave his life on a cross for your sins. Paul understood who he was in the grand scheme of things. He understood that he was less than the saints. He understood that to be first in the kingdom, he must be last on this earth. He knew that it was his duty to put others ahead of himself. How much different would our world look if we always put others ahead of ourselves? I'll narrow it down for you. How much different would your church look if you always put others ahead of yourself? Is having your way more important than God having his way? Is doing it the way you always have more important than doing it the way God wants it done? Is following a set of guidelines and rules more important than following God's word? You see, what Paul knew above all else is that for God to be glorified, he must be front and center. And at the same time, Paul must be way behind. Paul was to share the gospel, but he was to do it in such a way that God was to be seen and he was to be hidden. I find that interesting. He writes over in the book of Colossians. If you still have your Bible open, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. He writes about some of his ministry, and it reads like this. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up my flesh with what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body. Notice what he says. I rejoice in my sufferings. What were Paul's sufferings? Remember, we looked at it. Prison. He was beaten. He was, he was ridiculed. All those things, he says, I rejoice in those. And I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body. That his body is this church. How do we know it? Because he immediately follows it in verse 24 and says, which is the church? Paul said, I'm beaten. I'm locked up. I'm ridiculed, I'm practically killed, but I rejoice in it because I'm doing it for his body, for the church. He goes on to say, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you. Paul understood he didn't choose to be a preacher, he didn't choose to be a minister, God chose him. It's important to understand, when you're given a task to do, you don't look at it as, I want to, I don't want to, I think I can, I think I can. If God chooses you, go. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying that 
he was, it was given to him for this reason in 25, to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. In verse 27, he says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of his glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles. And here's the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Paul said he rejoiced in the sufferings of Christ. Paul said he did this for the church in verse 24. Paul suffered for the preaching of that mystery in verses 25 through 27. Paul preached with one purpose. That you, church, may be perfect in Christ. He never watered it down. He never buttered it over. He never hid the hard parts. He preached the entire counsel of God. He did it for one purpose. That you might be perfect in Christ. Not lacking anything. Back in Ephesians. Back in Ephesians 8. We just looked at what it meant to Paul to be a servant. But in verse 8 also, he talks about this audience. He says that I should preach among the Gentiles. The Gentiles. It's good news that Paul was given this mystery. Why is it good news for us that Paul was given this mystery? You're a Gentile. Without Paul being given the mystery, you would have had to have been a Jew to understand. Paul was given this mystery that for us Gentiles, Jesus also died. For us, he died just like he died for the chosen ones, the Jewish ones. Then in verse 9, he reminds us of his message. The end of 8 and 9, he says, The unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of this mystery. He talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ, those things in Christ that we don't yet understand but are being revealed to us. One of those things specifically that Paul's mentioned is that mystery that it's salvation is for the Gentiles, just like the Jews. But the second part of that mystery is the church, not the religion of Judaism, but the church. See, he says, and to make all see what is the fellowship of this mystery. See, without this fellowship, what we do here every Sunday and Wednesday night wouldn't exist. See, there's a fellowship. When you're saved and you join yourself to a local body, you become part of a fellowship. We extend the right hand of fellowship, welcoming you to, to us. But you know it's bigger than that. It's bigger than this body. For each of us in this body are connected to the larger body. There are churches all over our area right now meeting in buildings just like this, worshiping. They're meeting right now, opening scripture and revealing that scripture and talking about it. They're meeting and they're singing. You know what we do when we do that here and they do that there? We worship the exact same God. We get into the fellowship the exact same way. For there is one God, there is one Savior, His name is Jesus Christ, and there is one way into fellowship with God, and that's through the death, death, burial, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, and believing that he did that for you personally. See, this fellowship was revealed to us. 
Paul also reminds us of the purpose of his message there in verse 10 of Ephesians. He said there in 9, And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. And he did it to the intent now that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Who is to reveal this mystery? Who is to show this mystery? It says right there, the church. This mystery is to be made known by the church, which means it's not to be received by you and then sit on a pew for the next 50 years glad that you found it. How does sitting softly in a pew, I was trying to choose my words properly, how does sitting your behind on a, to a church pew and doing nothing else with your salvation, how does that make a mystery known to anybody? You know what's wrong with our church today? You know why we don't have chairs in the, in the aisle? You know why we don't have to leave the choir in the choir loft? Because the mystery is just not that important to you. If you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt there was a person out front on fire, you would go find something to put him out with. Well, let me make this known to you in case you hadn't figured it out from watching the news lately. This world is on fire. All around us, there's people that do not believe in our God and are dying and going to hell. And it's embarrassing to me that the church sits within the four walls of the building and lets them go. If you really believe the mystery... Wouldn't you share it? You want to know how I know you don't believe it? You're not sharing it. How can you look at the face of a person you pass on the street that you know is not saved and turn and walk away and never tell them about your Jesus? It may be the only opportunity they ever get to hear about God. And by you turning your back on them, you're telling God they're not important. I beg to differ. God made each of us in his own image. There's not a single person made different by God. We're all made the same. We're all created when we're yet within the womb physically by the hands of a God before we're ever seen. He's put us together, knit us together. He knows the day we'll be born. He knows the day we'll die. And he personally made each of us in his image. No matter the color of our skin, no matter the country we live in, no matter how we stand in economy, we're all the same. There is no difference. God loves us all. That's why he told us. He sent his only begotten son to die upon a cross for all. And he did it because he loved the world. We as his children should love the world as much as he does. Are you willing to let yourself die to self? To let Christ live in someone else? Paul says that it's our job as the church. It's our job as the church to make that known. And what is so fantastic about making that known? Who is the group of people that are so marveled by this thing called salvation? It tells us right there in the passage. It says God might be made known by the church. And who's it to? The principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Who are the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places? And death quietness falls upon the church. It's the angels. Who are the principalities and powers in heavenly places? It's the angels. Do you know 
what you have that the angels will never have? Salvation. Why do you think all of heaven breaks out in a party when one person gives their life to Christ? The angels do not have that opportunity. The angels were created for one purpose, and that's to worship God, to worship Him for creation. Psalm 148, as a matter of fact, Psalm 148 tells us this about that worship. Psalm 148 says this, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise Him in the heights, praise Him all His angels, praise Him all His hosts, praise Him sun and moon, praise Him all you stars of light, praise Him you heavens of heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for He commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Do you notice the list of the things there in Psalm 148? that it is told to praise him it's his creation he says praise the Lord from the heavens praise him in the heights praise him all your angels who are created praise him all your hosts which are created praise him sun and moon which are created praise you all the stars which are created he gives a list of creation praising God he says all these are to praise him God's creation is commanded to praise him they praise him Not because of what he's done for them, but they praise him because he created them. It's a little bit different than us, isn't it? Look over at Hebrews with me, all the way back in the New Testament at Hebrews towards the end. Hebrews chapter 1, and I'm going to read on because we're running out of time. Hebrews chapter 1 says this in verse 5. For to which of the angels did he ever say this? You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And again... I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But to the son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels Has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? And they not all, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? You see, the angels can inherit salvation, but they can minister to us who have. And their job is to worship God, their creator. You see the difference between the angels and Jesus who now indwells you if in fact you know him as your Lord and Savior? You see, the angels were sent to minister to the saved. The Son was sent to be salvation. When you receive that salvation into your heart, you have something the angels can never experience. We have to be careful when we talk about angels for oftentimes we like to worship them. If you look over in Revelations 4... We'll get a better picture of what those angels will be doing. 
at the end of time in comparison to us. Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8, it reads like this. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So we get a picture of this 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. This worship of God. And it says, Whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So we see this picture of them worshiping there. If you'll skip down to the 8th verse of chapter 5, we see it again when it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, remember we just talked about them, and the 24 elders we just saw, fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense. The incense are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. And listen to this song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation that have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. Do you see why those elders are bowed at the feet of Jesus? They're bowed at the feet of Jesus because he was slain. He redeemed them by his very blood. He gave of himself. The message that Paul preached was you are saved only through that spilling of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he reminds us for the purpose of that message. That message that the church would proclaim the message of Christ to a lost and dying world. Through that the angels would be amazed. And they stand at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the throne and worship God. But he moves on in verse 12, and he talks about the privilege. He says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence, uh, confidence through faith in him. He says, not only is there this servanthood, not only is there a particular audience and a particular message, and there's a purpose for this message, but this message gives us a certain privilege, a certain privilege. And the privilege means we no longer need a priest or a pastor to stand in the way and hear your confessions and your concerns and pray to a God on your behalf. We no longer need that system of ritualism to come to God. We no longer need a mediator to stand between. You no longer have to go to someone and ask them to pray for you or to, to do something on your behalf. You see, Christ died. Christ died on a, on a cross for our sins. And he rose again, and right now he is both your priest and your mediator before holy God. He, part of the Trinity, would know God's will better than anyone. And he stands on your behalf between you and God. And as you need things in your life, as challenges come your way and you feel lost, just like we picked up the little fellow and walked him across the room this morning, Jesus is there. I love that picture that went around for years and years and still is footprints in the sand. And it shows two sets of footprints in the sand and suddenly one disappears and there's only one set of footprints during this challenging time in a person's life. And, and after they get through this challenge, they look back and says, I don't understand, God. Why, 
why did you leave me when I was in the roughest part of my life? And the moral of the story was, I didn't leave you, I picked you up. That's why there's only one set of footprints. If you look back over your life as a Christian, those most challenging times in your life, you only made it through those because Jesus was holding you. Jesus was carrying you. Jesus is your priest and your mediator. Hebrews chapter 4, we're coming to an end. Hebrews chapter 4 says this in verses 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we were or are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, this Savior that saves you is also your high priest and your mediator. You can come boldly to the throne of your Father through grace. Because there stands the one whose hands were pierced and his side was opened up and the thorns were driven down upon his head. There he stands on your behalf day in and day out. You can come to God and ask. He tells us anything we ask in Jesus' name that's within his will, we will be given. Why? Because Jesus stands there as our great high priest. He can sympathize with our weakness. He was tempted as we were and did not give in to sin. Because of Christ, we have access to God. Paul ends this section in Ephesians this way. Verse 13, he says, Therefore... I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Paul says this, life as a Christian is difficult. You will be persecuted. You will have those who think you're nuts. You will have those who seek to make less of you, to hide you away, to make laws that restrict your ability to worship. Make laws, make changes that keep you from being able to say the things of truth because they're uncomfortable for them. Paul knew, just like in his time, in your time, the Christian life was going to be tough. He proved it was tough through the stripes on his body and the time spent behind bars for you. Because remember, he's the one who brought the Gentiles the message. But look what Paul says. Paul says, don't let those little tribulations that I've had, those beatings, those imprisonments, the near death, don't let those stop you. He says, don't lose heart. Remember in your heart that no matter what happens to you physically, heaven awaits if you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. For you see, oftentimes we want to be more comfortable here than we should be. We want to know Jesus as our Savior We just don't want him to be Lord. But you see, there's one thing Paul knew. Paul knew that to truly glorify God, Jesus must be more than just your Savior. Jesus must also be your Lord. I find it interesting in our church today. Church is whole, and even church here is Morris Creek. I feel like if someone busted in here any time other than a Sunday morning that we were gathered, they wouldn't have to bring but one police car to arrest us all if it was against the law to worship. Why? Because people just don't take God serious anymore. 
God tells us not for, to forsake the gathering of His people. And most folks come, honestly, to see what they can gain. That's fine. You should be changed when you come. That's not what the Word says your sole responsibility is in this place. Your sole responsibility to the fellowship is to help that brother or sister in Christ that's going through something you've already conquered by the power of God to walk through that exact same thing. Paul says, don't worry about being beaten. Don't worry about being in prison. Don't worry about being offended. I've already been there. It's going to be okay. He was willing to give of himself to make himself the least of all the saints that others may come to know his Jesus. Church, I challenge you this morning. Are you making yourself last and others first? Do you love Jesus so much that you would give up anything and everything for one person to come to know him as Lord and Savior? Do you remember who you were? Are you different now? I hope you are. Are you thankful for that person that gave up everything they had to share the good news with you? Are you glad that Jesus stepped from the portals of heaven, the place we long to be, he voluntarily left to come here for you? If it had only been one of us, he would have crawled upon a cross and give his physical life for you. He was willing to be nailed to a cross, humiliated, beaten beyond recognition for you. Thank you for joining us here at Revealed Truth. I would like to personally invite you to visit with us at Morris Creek Baptist Church. We're located at 3107 Union Chapel Road in Curry, North Carolina. Our Sunday school starts at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings and is followed at 11 o'clock with our Sunday morning worship service. We also have a time of prayer and Bible study on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. We look forward to seeing you soon.